It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey LaBounty and Nick Wiggins. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Final Drive on WNSP 105.5. I'm Corey LeBounty. Want to thank everyone for having us locked and loaded and tuned in, however you may be listening, whether that's on the free Sound of Mobile app that you can download to any Android or Apple device that you may have, or whether you're listening the old-fashioned way on the radio, we thank you for having us locked in here to the final drive. Have a great show scheduled for you this Thursday afternoon. And right around 3.15, we're going to talk to Andrew Spivey. He covers the Gators, and we'll talk to him about the Florida Gators-Georgia Bulldogs matchup that's coming this Saturday. We'll talk to Backup quarterback at South Alabama, Gio Lopez. He's a true freshman and has had an opportunity to to make himself known to the Jaguar faithful as an early enrollee. Lindsey Crosby will have us prepared and get us ready for the World Series that is going down tomorrow night. We'll talk with Mallory Radwich. She is Coastal Alabama's women's softball coach. Looking forward to catching up with her. And then at 5 o'clock, we have our Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. Brett Greenberg with Bama 24-7 will join us along with Mike Gittins. He's the show founder or co-founder of the War Report. So we've got you covered today on the final drive. And the first thing we'll talk about today is kind of what was talked a little bit about this morning on the opening kickoff as the opening kickoff was on the campus of Alma Bryant and just so happened Simone Eli, WKRG sports director, was on campus there as well to talk with Mark and Lee about the documents that she was able to obtain on Gulf Shores. And Gulf Shores currently the number one ranked team in Class 5A football here in the state of Alabama, trying to get off to that 9-0 start as they're having homecoming this week in Gulf Shores. And Gulf Shores has come under a lot of scrutiny after WKRG Sports Director Simone Eli had documents um, obtained by her that alleged that Gulf Shores Athletics was paying rent for Dolphin transfer student athletes. And we know according to the AHSAA bylaws, that's definitely a no-no there. But would love to hear from you and get your thoughts about the documents that have been shown by Simone Eli, basically receipts showing where Gulf Shores could be investigated next week by the AHSAA. And it's it's a truly unfortunate situation. 251-694-1055. And you look at having the number one ranked team in the entire state of Alabama in your classification and you're undefeated and all of a sudden you're, you're hit with allegations uh, after 
nine weeks of play or possibly going into postseason, not knowing whether you're going to make the postseason or not. It's kind of similar to what we saw one year ago with Sarah Land. Sarah Land having a phenomenal year, and then all of a sudden, we didn't know for almost up to two weeks whether Sarah Land would even be able to remain in the AHSAA 6A playoffs. And ultimately, the Spartans went on to win the state championship as no wrongdoing was found by the AHSAA. But you look here in the last couple of weeks, folks, in high school football across the state of Alabama, Coosa Christian, Pell City, Viger, all have had to forfeit wins for a violation of the AHSAA transfer policy. And because of that, anytime you're giving up wins, you never want that to be a factor in your season. You never want that to be a problem. And I know that as the playoffs are scheduled to start on November 10th, just in a couple of weeks, you start postseason play. If you're going to be out or eliminated or there is some type of violation that is found within your program, you want it to be now or really before now because you look at Mobile Christian one year ago. Unfortunately, they had an error on their part that cost them a few wins, and they went from being a number one overall region champion to having to squeeze into the playoffs as a four seed and they still went on to have a phenomenal I think they made it all the way to the semifinals a year ago and you look at Mobile Christian the way they responded this year off to one of the best starts in school history but Gulf Shores so far on the season when you look at them being 8-0 having outscored their opponents 301 to 70 like I said, Simone Eli having documents that she provided last night on a a, a detailed story and a, a, a great story on her part in regards to being able to say, look, this is not me making up a story. This is here are the documents that I have received and waiting to hear back from Gulf Shores leaders and whether it's the superintendent or what have not, you're looking to hear back to see where Gulf Shores is going to lie. But if you're going to be stuck with having to forfeit and lose all your opportunities to win a state championship, you would much rather it be early than late, and that is for sure. And when you do look at this situation that's going to continue to unfold if the AHSAA is indeed sending investigators down to Gulf Shores next week. The only ones that you hate it for are the kids at the end of the day because kids just want to play football. They just want to win. They just want to participate in athletics. And unfortunately, it is us as adults who make the decisions that dictate the lives because there are no 15, 16, 17, and 18 year olds that are paying house mortgages that are having an opportunity at 15 years old to drive themselves to school or to determine or dictate where they want to go to school. It's going to be up to the parents to ultimately or their guardians to make that decision for the child. And Gulf Shores have seen them play numerous times. They're one of the 
the best teams in the state of Alabama, and you would hate to see that happen to them, and you hated to see what happened to Viger. And luckily for Viger, it was early enough to where it only cost them one region win, and you look at them being in a very tough 5A region one, it, it just got a lot tougher with BC Rain being 6-2. and two. You look at Faith Academy being 5-3. and three. Of course, Gulf Shores being undefeated, UMS Wright being five and three, Viger being six and two, and Williamson being three and six. One of the toughest regions in the entire state of Alabama. And want to see how this winds up shaking itself out. And if there's a decision to be made, hopefully it can be made prior to the playoffs beginning. But I think this is kind of like what we're seeing at the University of Michigan with the stealing of the signs. It's just the beginning of where this can ultimately wind up going. And we'll switch gears going from high school over to the collegiate side of things. And one of, one of the things that you do have in a bye week for the University of Alabama, every Thursday, Nick Saban gets an opportunity to kind of talk about what What's upcoming for the Crimson Tide? And, you know, Pat McAfee, I don't know if you guys have heard about his own decision probably to step away from ESPN College Game Day or not. I personally don't have a problem with Pat McAfee being on ESPN College Game Day. I I love his energy. I love what he brings to the table. But a lot of people, and he said this, Earlier this week that he he's heard all the criticism. He he feels all the negativity. So he may wind up removing himself from ESPN College Game Day. And Coach Corso, Lee Corso, one of the originators, one of the best that you'll see putting on that headgear each and every week. Not quite sure how much longer Lee Corso is going to be able to do College Game Day. So if you, you lose McAfee and you, you lose Corso off of the show, I, I don't know how much more it would be watching. And someone in the app said they quit watching Game Day 10 years ago it doesn't matter who they put on the show. It's not what they want to to hear and listen to. So I, I do know that I do like to hear what Coach Nick Saban has to say about what he does do during his off week or during the bye week. And Coach Saban, he kind of mentioned it a couple of weeks ago about what cars he has in his garage. But Nick Saban chiming in about what he does during a bye week. I don't know if you can tell, but it's getting a little smoky in here, and it's well documented that you actually do not like smoking cigars, but how are you going to celebrate this on tonight? Well, I'll chew on one for a while. Here you go. <laughs> there we go. Oh, yeah. All right, Jalen, over Him laughing after you give that answer is a beautiful depiction of, I think, your relationship, first of all. And that's one of the things that Nick Saban was talking about after winning against Tennessee. So he he doesn't smoke on cigars. He chews on cigars. I thought that was a pretty interesting statement. But he also talked about his Ferraris and what he likes to do as far as from a car standpoint. And, Nathan, I know we have that clip, too. 
What do you do here for the bye week, huh? We gonna golf? We're driving around the Ferrari? We having uh, maybe Miss Terry out on the boat having a, a day? What are we doing for bye week, huh? We live in a little? Yeah. Chewing some cigars? Ooh. What are we doing? No, I drive the I'm. I don't know. I'm sure I'm obsessive compulsive or something, but I only drive the Ferrari on Wednesday if it's not raining. So that's kind of the program. I don't and know if I'm obsessive compulsive, <laughs> but I'm on Wednesday if it's not raining. Okay, I love that. I can't wait to see that sometime. Nick Saban only driving the Ferrari on Wednesday if it's not raining. And Nathan, I don't know what he does. If it is raining, what's his car of choice? I guess it's part of the Mercedes-Benz, but since he owns a Mercedes-Benz dealership there. <laughs> but, I mean, it must be nice that I only drive the Ferrari on Wednesday if it's not raining. Nick Saban with a pretty good comment today on the Pat McAfee show. So that that kind of tickled me a little bit, knowing that what he does have in the driveway. But I do know this. Coming up next, we are going to have Andrew Spivey to join us to kind of break down a little bit about Florida Gators' opportunity to beat Georgia and whether you think that it's going to happen or not. Andrew Spivey will give us reasons to see why the Gators can defeat and give the Georgia Bulldogs their first loss of the season. He's a football analyst for GatorCountry.com. Andrew Spivey joins us next here on The Final Drive. This is Brad Nessler, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. I'm Corey Labounty, and now I'm being joined this afternoon by Andrew Spivey. Does a great job as a recruiting and football analyst for GatorCountry.com. Andrew, how's everything going, and welcome to the final drive. It's going good, Corey. How are you? Absolutely blessed by the best and getting ready for some great high school football action here tonight and tomorrow night as well. And then, of course, Saturday, what they used to call the world's largest outdoor cocktail party takes place between Georgia and Florida and Florida trying to end that winning streak that's going on for the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, you know, and I, I still call it the world's largest cocktail party. I don't care what they say. That's what it always will be to me. And, uh, I, you know, it's it's such a fun atmosphere. And, you know, I tell people all the time, if you have the opportunity to go check out a game, whether you're a Florida fan, Georgia fan, or just a college football fan, uh, it is a great game, a great atmosphere to be a part of. And, uh, you know, I know everyone wants to change it to a home-and-home I hope they work it out some way not to change it to a home-and-home and, home and can leave it there, but uh, it, uh, it should be a good one. And, you know, this game's not always a, a good game uh, most of the time. Uh, it's, it's a game that you can pretty much throw out to what's been going on during the season because weird things happen. Uh, Will Muskent won this game uh, about 10 years ago throwing three passes. So uh, anything can happen in this rivalry game. Well, I know this much in the rivalry game. You do look at the fact that Georgia comes in with the nation's longest winning streak at 24 games and 14 and a half point favorites are the Bulldogs over the Gators but the Gators had a, a, a pretty good visitor and I say a special visitor anytime you can have the master 
of the visor. Steve Spurrier, give words of inspiration to your team. Spurrier, of course, being 11-1 all-time versus the Georgia Bulldogs as he was the head coach of the Florida Gators. It's always great to hear some of the comments, especially from linebacker and Mobile native Shamar James saying, Coach Spurrier came in and gave us some words of wisdom. I can tell you that much. Yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a blessing for Florida, uh, for Billy Napier, for those guys, uh, you know, to have a guy like Steve Spurrier in the building. Uh, another guy that's been very inspirational to this team is uh, former linebacker Brandon Spikes, who is a student assistant uh, on this team. And those two guys have, you know, really prepared this team for what this game means. And you know, they did a good job of doing that there in the Tennessee game. And really just trying to get these guys to understand how how much this rivalry means to the University of Florida, the University of Georgia, uh, to the fan bases, to everything. And, you know, it's, it seems a little, you know, that it should be known, uh, but a lot of these guys don't understand that. And a lot of these guys don't, you know, understand how important this game is. And Steve Spurrier and Brandon Spikes have both spoken to these uh, to this team and uh, tried to explain to them, went through the history of it. Uh, Spurrier's let Billy know, hey, I only lost one time. You've already got one loss under your belt. So he reminds him of that all the time. And, you know, I'm sure Spurrier's throwing some plays out there for him as well. Well, you also look at the fact that you do have Florida native and now Georgia quarterback Carson Beck having a chance to come back to his home state and play in this Florida-Georgia robbery, robbery as a starting quarterback. I, I, what do the Florida Gators have to do to really bother and, and get after Carson Beck? Yeah, not only his, uh, you know, hometown, but I mean, home state, but his hometown. He's a Jacksonville native, a uh, guy that uh, Florida recruited. Uh, he uh, was a once a, a commit to the baseball team at Florida, and so Florida's very familiar with him. Um, you know, a guy that's had a really good arm, uh, is uh, is very smart. Um, he's, you know, he's had some some inconsistencies this year, and you, you kind of expect that with a first-time starter. You know, I think the biggest thing for Florida in this game is they've got to put pressure on this team, and they, they need to keep them behind the sticks. You know, when Georgia's getting going and when Georgia's having, you know, some difficult times and pressure moments, they want to go to Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers isn't going to be there on Saturday to, to catch passes for them. So, you know, really force this team to find another go-to target, and, and, and they got plenty of them. Uh, don't get me wrong. They've got plenty of them, but what will Carson Beck do when it's third and 12 and he doesn't have Brock Bowers to throw to? And, you know, it's very easy to throw to Brock Bowers because he catches about everything. Um, so I, I think the biggest thing is keep these guys behind the sticks and, you know, really figure out a way to get some pressure on Carson Beck and uh, make him uncomfortable there. And, you know, it, 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 as crazy as it sounds, it all starts up as up front in this football game. It always does. It seems like whichever team ends up uh, dominating the line of scrimmage and running the ball wins the game. So, I, you take away the run, pretty good that you're getting pressure on Carson Beck as well. Yeah, Andrew, I, I agree with you there. And I know that also for the Florida Gators, it starts with the running game and ETN. And if ETN is able to get things up and cooking, then he gives the Florida Gators a much better chance to win the game. And you look at Florida's come from behind win on going playing against South Carolina and the disappointing loss at Kentucky that they had. It are just the difference between night and day is all about the running game for the Florida Gators. 
absolutely. And, you know, it's, it, it, again, it kind of sounds crazy to say because Graham Mertz, you know, coming off a 400 yard passing game that you would think, okay, this team really needs to be able to run the football. But they do. Um, you know, you don't want Graham Mertz throwing the ball 40 times. And, again, it's not not a bad thing for, for Mertz. He's had a good season. Um, he's had a really good year of being consistent, not turning the ball over, only has two interceptions on the year. Um, he's done exactly what Billy Napier wanted him to do, and that's take care of the football and give this team an opportunity to win. Um, but th- that all starts with running the ball. And you look at the Tennessee game, when they were good, they ran the ball. When they were bad <laughs> in the Kentucky game, they weren't able to run the football. So uh, they need to be able to do that in this game and to really get Georgia, you know, having to focus on the running game and the passing game to allow Billy Napier's offense to really be diversified and, and, and be able to kind of keep Georgia guessing a little bit. You know, if you get one-dimensional and allow Georgia to be able to pin their ears back and come get Graham Mertz, it's going to be a long day. If they're able to kind of get the running game going, allow Mertz to, you know, have time to get Eugene Wilson and, and Ricky Pearsall open and give them time down the field, you may have a chance to score some points in this game. So, again, it all goes back to who's going to win the line of scrimmage. And talking about winning the line of scrimmage, right behind that line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the football is Mobile native and graduate of Faith Academy, Shamar James. And, of course, at SEC Media Days and asking Coach Napier about the development and what Shamar James is going to mean and has already meant to this program. He spoke so glowingly high of Shamar James and Shamar's kind of lived up to that billing this season, leading the Florida Gators in tackles. Yeah. I mean, Shamar is the quarterback of this defense, uh, him and Scooby Williams from Birmingham um, are the two guys. And, you know, when you, when you looked at this team, you know, at the at the beginning of the year, you said this team's going to go as far as uh, on defense, as far as this linebacker group will allow them to. Well, so far this linebacker group's been pretty good. I mean, you said it's Shamar's leading the team in tackles and not only leading the team in tackles, but he just continues to get these guys lined up in the right spots when, you know, when Austin Armstrong's calling audibles and stuff, he's really getting these guys lined up, really kind of being a calming voice, a coach on the field. And, you know, I, I say this all the time with Shamar. He's just such a smart football player that it, it, it really – it really allows you to have a coach on the field and it really allows you to do a lot of different things because Shamar's able to get the rest of those guys lined up and ready to go. And, and it's, and it's been a good thing because Florida's done a lot of adjustments. They've been very good at adjustments and, you know, in the games that they've won, they've been very good defensively. You go back to that Kentucky game in the first half, they were really bad defensively, but the second half, they kind of fixed it and they were a lot better. So for the most part of the year, the defense has been pretty good. Um, it's going to take the defense being really good against Georgia. You mentioned also behind that defense and giving the quarterback an opportunity and Graham Mertz to receive. Ricky Pearsall has been that guy. We saw him with the highlight catch, maybe one of the best catches of the season earlier. It's going to take him having a great performance also against this tough Georgia Bulldogs defense. You know, uh, Ricky Pearsall is, you know, wide receiver one for a reason. Uh, he's their go-to guy, um, and, and they need him to, to be the guy that can really, you know, on third and five, find that hole in the zone and, and be able to sit down and, you know, give Graham Mertz a, a big target to throw to. Uh, he's not the electric guy that, that Trey Wilson is, but Trey Wilson's also not the the guy that's going to run the, the prettiest route all the time, like a Ricky Pearsall. And, you know, Ricky's been a, a guy that's had 35 straight games with a catch 
catch. He's Mr. Consistency, and that's what Florida's going to need. And, you know, him and Graham Mertz have really built that relationship and connection, and, and it's turned out to be really good. I mean, Ricky Pearsall, I think, is one of the more underrated guys in the country. I don't think he gets credit for how good of a receiver he really is. And, you know, he decided to come back this year after getting a, a mid, uh, mid to late draft uh, grade last year, and I think he's improved that this year. Well, let's talk about your overall predictions. I mentioned how Georgia is favored by 14 and a half. What are your thoughts? You, you mentioned how much of a robbery game. You throw the record books out of the window. What are going to be the final results here? Because you look at this final stretch for the Florida Gators coming up. Not so easy task when you have, of course, Arkansas. You never know what Arkansas team is going to show up. But still left on the schedule, you have LSU. Missouri and Florida State upcoming for the Gators. Yeah, they got to find a way to win two of these games. Uh, you know, they would love to get three, but you got to find a way to win two, and 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 not not for anything other than to show improvement for this recruiting class. You're talking about the number three recruiting class in the country. Um, you need one more to get bowl eligible. You feel like you'll get that one, and you know, figure out a way to win one of the Georgia, Florida State, Missouri, and LSU games, and, you know, potentially even two uh, of those games, and you're looking at a really good year. You know, I have Georgia winning the game. Uh, I don't know if they win by 14. Uh, I, I think it might be a little bit closer than that, but I, I think Georgia is the better overall team, uh, especially when you, you know, take into consideration depth and, and all of that. I, I think Georgia is just better, and defensively, Georgia is just really, really good. Uh, I, I do think it's closer than, than it is, but wouldn't shock me if it was a close game going into the fourth quarter, and then Georgia, you know, maybe put a little bit of distance there. And uh, But again, weird things happen in this game. Will Muschamp won this game three times, and Will Muschamp's not a great football coach. He's not a great head football coach. Andrew Spivey joining us this afternoon here on the final drive and again being a recruiting and football analyst for GatorCountry.com. Andrew, you mentioned about the recruiting and the great job that Coach Napier has been doing. The excitement down in Gainesville, I know that Auburn is kind of putting all its eggs in the basket moving forward with their recruiting in 24 and 25, but Napier has done a great job here in year two. Not much patience going to be given in year three if you're bringing in these recruits and not getting the W's you need. Yeah, absolutely. And Auburn's putting some pressure on a couple of Florida commits as well. Jamonte Waller from down in Chickenwood, uh, Florida, and uh, a guy in Amir uh, Jackson from Portal, Georgia. They're trying to flip those, and Florida's trying to hang on there. So some battles to watch down the stretch between those two. But, yeah, number three recruiting class uh, picked up a big five-star in L.J. McCray from Daytona Beach uh, last Saturday, and that was a big win. And, you know, it's all headlined by the quarterback in D.J. Lagway, who is, uh, you know, considered one of the top five passers in the country. And, uh, a guy that's put up over 3,000 yards of total offense and uh, over 50 touchdowns total this year for his team out in Texas and Willis. And, uh, you know, th that's going to be the key. Um, but there's a lot of playmakers on this team. And, you know, we talk about Georgia's defense being so much better than Florida's. Uh, that's going to change. Florida's got some beef coming in and, and some really good speed guys coming off the edge uh, for the future. And, you know, Billy Napier is really trying to build this thing uh, from the line of scrimmage out. And, you know, I think that they hold on to this class. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously they need to continue to show improvement and not get blown out in some of these games going forward. But uh, next year should be fun. I mean, I don't expect D.J. Lagway to be the starting quarterback next year, but uh, he'll be a guy that will gain some excitement and get some experience on the field in some way, shape, or form next year. 
Andrew, I can't let you go without being able to give a shout out to your Mary G. Montgomery Vikings. I know Triple G, he's at home taking care of his newborn baby girl, but you guys definitely have a lot of love for the Vikings. Absolutely. Coach Golson and, and those guys, an incredible job. Jared Holland's incredible quarterback. Had the opportunity to watch him. Uh, incredible things going on in Sims. And I, I'm so proud of Coach Golson and those guys. And, uh, you know, I hope to get that uh, playoff monkey off the back uh, in a couple weeks. And, uh, you know, wouldn't be bad to finish off Robert Still with a perfect 10-0 season because, you know, these boys in Sims can play ball. Absolutely. And you do a great job covering ball for the Florida Gators. How can people follow all of your tremendous coverage of the Florida Gators? Yeah, absolutely. At Andrew Spivey GC on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it nowadays, and uh, at Gator Country on the web, we'll uh, we'll have plenty of things coming from recruiting and uh, uh, in Jacksonville uh, starting tomorrow. Andrew, thank you so much for your time, and look forward to talking to you again very soon. Absolutely, Corey. Thanks, buddy. Andrew Spivey. GatorCountry.com joining us this afternoon here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. When we come back, we'll talk with a quarterback from South Alabama, the backup freshman quarterback, Gio Lopez. We're getting to know Gio Lopez next here on the final drive. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty talking with South Alabama quarterback Gio Lopez. Gio is a true freshman for the Jaguars who enrolled early and has been getting some game action as of late. South Alabama having the offensive explosion against ULM and Southern Miss. And Gio has an opportunity to throw his first collegiate touchdown against Louisiana Monroe a couple of weeks ago. Gio, welcome to the final drive. Hey, how y'all doing? Absolutely blessed by the best. Gio, I want to talk to you about what it's like to be an early enrollee. What was it like giving up the rest of your senior season to join the Jaguar program early and the, and the benefits you feel or felt of joining the Jaguar program early? I would say that it was it was hard at first, to be honest. With you. I didn't really want to leave home. I'm a big family person, but just being able to get in get in here early, just learn the offense, and just really get to the speed faster than everybody else. You know, I was the only early enrollee here, but it was like so good. Like when I came here, I didn't feel like by the time all the freshmen got here, I really didn't feel like a freshman anymore. I felt like I knew what was going on, and it was it just was really beneficial. And I couldn't I'll tell everybody that if they want to play college football to early enroll, to be honest. Got to love the fact that you came in early. You were able to sit and talk with Major Applewhite. Talk about the benefits of learning from someone like Major Applewhite. I know I talked to Carter Bradley, and he's just spoken so highly of the way that he and Major are able to relate and see the game the same. What's been a benefit for you and your relationship with your offensive coordinator? I mean, I would say the relationship together is even will go past football. He's just a, a great mentor in a lot of aspects. But football-wise, he's been amazing. I mean, he's the best football mind I've ever seen. And he's honestly probably one of the best football minds in college football. And that's, that's honest. So I would say it's just been great learning from him. And learning from Carter, too, and Tanner and Dez. Just learning from everybody. But it's really cool getting to learn from Coach Applewhite, knowing he played college football. He's been there. He's done it. 
he's coached at top programs and just getting to learn from him. We're talking to Gio Lopez, a true freshman for the South Alabama Jaguars, comes to this Jaguar program out of Huntsville, Alabama, at James Clemens High School. And do you ever get a chance to to catch a little bit of those Friday night lights to find out what James Clemens has been doing or had an opportunity to come see some of this great football that's being played down here in the south part of Alabama? Uh, I haven't been able to go back home and watch any of my James Clemens, but uh, I have been able to see MGM. Got to see Jared throw it around. He he can he can, he's a baller. I like. It's been cool watching this high school football in general, but I've not been able to go back to James Clemens and watch a game now. Well, I tell you, we've been able to watch the last couple of weeks. The Jaguars offense score 55 points, and that's been a very impressive feat. You guys played a complete game in Stillwater, Oklahoma. You've had a couple of setbacks, and then looks like these last couple of weeks, you know, the Jags aren't even using their punter because of you guys' offensive efficiency. What do you think has been the, turn, the biggest turnaround in the South Alabama offense? And defense, for that matter. Uh, I can't really speak for defense. I think that it's been, you know, preparation for everybody. I think we've been preparing better. Uh, I think it was really just more of a wake-up call, those back-to-back losses we had. I think it was just a slap in the face. So I think it just woke up everybody, and we started preparing better, practicing harder. Scout team's doing great, giving looks. So I just think it's a preparation thing, just understanding what we got to do and executing it. Gio Lopez, our guest this afternoon here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. And, Gio, you were able not only to throw your first college touchdown pass against ULM, you were able to get into the end zone rushing it, a rushing touchdown of 20 yards against the Golden Eagles of Southern Miss. What did it feel like to get to the house rushing the football as well? It was it was a pretty cool experience. Uh, I haven't got to run one in since high school, so it, was, it felt good to feel fast again. You know, I felt like I'd just been throwing it. But uh, it felt good. Honestly, it was a great experience. And my parents were here, so that was awesome as well. Oh, anytime your folks get a chance to see it live and in, in person. I know, if I'm not mistaken, you know, my mind sometimes leaves me when it doesn't need to. You, you had one called back, too, but you were able to make up for it. That one you had called back, you know, once you get into the zone, you, you, you think you got six, and then you see those penalty flags. I know you said in your mind, look, if I get a second opportunity, I'm going to make the best of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it sucks it got called back, but it was uh, I was kind of excited. I mean, I did end up throwing a pick, to be honest, but I was excited cause I just got to stay out there. I just love being on the field and just being able to just play ball in general. So I wasn't too mad about it getting called back. We're talking with Gio Lopez. He plays the backup quarterback position for the South Alabama Jaguars. The Jaguars 4-3 and three entering a critical matchup with the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana coming to Hancock-Whitney Stadium. Gio, for those that don't know, I know you had a lot of schools recruiting you coming out of high school. What was it that made you feel like South Alabama could be somewhere to call home? Just when I came on my visit here, it was more than just football. I felt like it was a second home. I felt comfortable. I felt like they saw me as a person more than just, honestly, a, a number. I think that it also really helps when you have Major Applewhite recruiting you and you know his background and Coach Womack, a really explosive person, a big personality that 
honestly, I think it's pretty cool. So just it just felt like home here, and it, it felt it was really nice knowing my parents were comfortable with me coming here too. That's also big, but it was just probably just the coaching staff and just feeling real comfortable where I was at. Talk about the biggest adjustment that you've had to make from high school to college. We we mentioned at the beginning of this interview about being an early enrollee, having a chance to come down and get a head start of spring, being able to enjoy the spring scrimmage and practices and getting that extra time in the classroom as well. What what has been or what is the biggest adjustment if you're speaking to those high school athletes out there that are getting ready to make the transition into college? Of course, I mean, everyone says it, but probably the speed of the game. I mean, it's just a lot faster. Everybody's more athletic. Just understanding that those windows aren't as big at all. But I'd also say the playbook, just it's a big variety, and you, you learn a lot of things that you don't call for three or four weeks, and then boom, it's in the game plan going into week six or something like that. So probably just playbook and the speed of the game, to be honest. So far, have you declared a major yet in South Alabama? Yes, sir. I'm doing business and marketing. Business and marketing major at the University of South Alabama as a true freshman. And, you know, no better place than to be than at South Alabama from a business standpoint. And South Alabama has been handling their business out on the football field, a critical stretch getting ready to play the Cajuns. I know that it's one game at a time. How do you feel about this 10-day gap and this window that you guys have had from the time you played Louisiana Monroe to the awkward Tuesday game and then going from Tuesday, being able to rest on that Saturday and watching college football and watching film and then playing on the following Saturday? How has that benefited you guys? I would say it's been beneficial from a film standpoint and just getting getting more film in and honestly getting a little bit of rest, more rest in. You know, bodies are starting to break down a little bit towards the middle of the season. But I would say it was honestly a good rest period and just getting to get a mental more, you know, more reps in every aspect and just getting the film done and just seeing more of our opponent. When I was talking with Gio Lopez's teammates about their hobbies, they were letting me know that some of them like golf, some of them like fishing, some of them like video games. And Gio Lopez is all about his business. And in his extra time, he says he just loves to get into the film room and just is consumed by football. Gio, talk to us a lot about if that is your hobby, how you go ahead and you utilize that. Because some people do play video games. Some people do fish. But if the football film study is your leisure and you love to do that, that just means you're a true football junkie. Yes, sir. I mean, I would say just watching football in, in, every, in every, you know, no matter it's FBS, NFL, FCS, just watching football in general, I just – I just think it's a cool sport, just fun to watch and just getting to learn and to see how different people's teams are and just seeing how people throw it around just really. It's just, it's just cool to watch. Well, I, I would say I'll have other hobbies in football. I wouldn't say it's just all football. Well, that's all right, too, Gio. Like I said, you have plenty of opportunities here to continue to grow and develop at South Alabama. Are you a fisherman at all? A lot of your teammates, they say they love to get out on the water. Coming from Huntsville, I know y'all have plenty of lakes there, not a lot of oceans or anything like that in the North Alabama area. Are you a fisherman? 
I will say I'm not a fisherman. A lot of a lot of guys fish on the team. I'm more into, I would say, four-wheeling, and uh, my dad drag races, so that's always something fun I love to do. Uh, after this Troy game, you know, or our next break or whenever, I'm going to go watch my dad drag race. That's probably my favorite hobby is to go drag race with my pops, to be honest. Nothing wrong with that. that. That's a different type of hobby. Now, that's one that I have not heard as far as drag racing, and that's why we love to just – get you underneath the helmet and and take off the chin strap a little bit there and learn more about our local South Alabama Jaguars and Gio Lopez, the true freshman backup quarterback for the South Alabama Jaguars. Likes to see his dad drag racing, and he likes to get out on those four-wheelers as well. And we hope that you're able to go ahead and drag race and drag the raging Cajuns all across Hancock-Whitney Stadium and go 0-100 to real quick on Saturday afternoon. Gio, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to join us here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Jay's up, and I look forward to seeing you again very soon. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Hi, this is Luis Gonzalez, former South Alabama Jaguar and Major League player. You're listening to WNSP Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. want to thank Gio Lopez for joining us. And, you know, South Alabama's quarterback positions in great hands when you have Gio Lopez and verbal commit. Jared Hollins from Mary G. Montgomery coming in as well. And Jared, to my knowledge, may be even an early enrollee for the South Alabama program. And we've seen all the success that he's having here coming up in our number two to get started on the final drive. We'll be talking to my man, Lindsey Crosby, who does a great job from a Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, Auburn Tiger Baseball standpoint. He's basically our baseball guru here on the final drive. He'll give us a preview of game one of the World Series, Arizona and Texas. And we'll be talking with Lindsey Crosby to start our number two. We'll also talk Mallory Radwich. Coastal Alabama softball head coach in the second hour. And then hour number three, our Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report will start around the 5 o'clock hour. want to thank everyone for tuning in to hour number one of the final drive. Hour number two, right around the corner.
The Sound of Mobile presents for the win. The final drive. No, they didn't. Oh my gracious! Yeah. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. For the win. Yes. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, unbelievable! Welcome to our number two of the final drive. I'm Corey Labounty. Want to thank everyone for having us locked in and tuned in, whether you're on the app or you're listening to us on the radio. You can always download the free Sound of Mobile app to where if you're on the go, you can catch us any time of the day. And that's a free downloadable app to any Apple or Android device that you may have. You can also call us the old-fashioned way, 251-694-1055 is how you can get in touch with us. And in hour number one, we talked a little bit about what's going on at Gulf Shores. We talked to Gator Country, Andrew Spivey, who kind of gave us the preview of the Georgia-Florida game. We also talked to South Alabama backup quarterback Gio Lopez on what he's expecting to see this coming Saturday and moving forward with the South Alabama football program. And love talking to our next guest, Lindsey Crosby, as when you get down to the hunt for Red October, it doesn't get any bigger than the World Series. And raise your hand, in February or March, you had the Arizona Diamondbacks taking on the Texas Rangers in the World Series. I know I was not, and I know, Lindsay, you've been kind of high on the Rangers, but how about those Diamondbacks? You know, when you get one of these teams that's full of youngsters, they can run, they can create havoc, they just somehow keep seeming to, to win every series they go into philadelphia and take two games take two elimination games in citizens bank park like i've been high on the rangers all year i haven't been as high on the diamondbacks but it's kind of hard to count them out just given what they've gone through to make the world series right absolutely and you know we here in mobile alabama we root for Luis Gonzalez and the history that he made for the Diamondbacks in their first ever World Series appearance and that bloop single that he had that walked off the win for the Diamondbacks. Of course, Luis Gonzalez still being involved with the Diamondbacks franchise, so he's going to have an opportunity to secure his second World Series championship ring. But when you look at these two organizations a couple of years ago, both of these franchises were dealing with 100 losses or more. So the type of turnaround that both of them have had has been truly remarkable. It absolutely has. And if you look at the way that these two teams turned around the direction of the franchises, it was in, in different ways, right? And, and so it shows there's multiple paths to get to contention. Uh, Arizona really focused on developing their prospects they had some high draft picks because of the losses, and they turned those into Corbin Carroll. They turned it into Brandon Fott, Alex Thomas, a lot of players that we've seen uh, have a big, huge role in this postseason, whereas Texas showed if you have the financial wherewithal, you can go out and be willing to sign players in free agency. They go out and get Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon. Uh, they they supplement that with some some good rookies and prospects, a Josh Young at third base and Evan Carter in the outfield. 
and then make a savvy trade or two to get a Dolis Garcia, go out and reinforce with Max Scherzer, and all of a sudden now they're in the World Series. So however you want to try to get into contention is probably a viable plan provided that you commit to it and then you make the right decisions. And that's what makes this World Series so great is it's a lesson, hey, any team could be in the World Series two years from now if they just focused on getting better and then did it. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say this too, Lindsay, when you do look at what the Diamondbacks had to do, who they had to beat to get to the World Series, it was a hot Philadelphia Phillies organization and team. And I know that Dusty Baker officially had his press conference today and called it quits at the age of 74. But regardless of a scandal or not with the Houston Astros organization, when he takes over four years ago, the continued success that he's had and built for this Astros organization is remarkable. I mean, Dusty Baker is one of the rare managers that just about every player that played underneath him loves him. He was successful in both leagues. He did a really great job. And then I think people kind of forget how good Dusty Baker was as a player. I think that's a little bit of a, of like an underrated aspect. And obviously he was a draft pick of the Atlanta Braves. Hank Aaron's the one that got him into coaching in the first place when he finished up his playing career, but just fantastic career, both in uh, coaching and in playing. My only regret is they're voting on the hall of fame for managers at the end of the year. And this is too close to the cutoff for him to be eligible. He'll have to wait three more years before he can rightfully be voted into the hall of fame, but he can go vacation for a couple of years come back and get his Hall of Fame nod. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. You looked at him being able to have over 2,100 wins and the teams that he was able to manage, whether it was the Giants or the Cubs, the Reds, the Nationals, plenty of Dusty Baker to go around and all the great baseball stories that he was able to tell and share. I just love the fact that you have a manager in the dugout that loves to chew on toothpicks no matter what. That that That's pretty cool no matter what the situation is. Never really choked on that toothpick, but the Astros choked up the lead that they did have to the Rangers, and now the Rangers find themselves for the first time in their organizational history having a chance to win the World Series. And the Texas Rangers, like, this was a team, they were good at the regular season, but, like, they they had, like, they clinched a playoff spot on the next to last day of the season. They had to battle all the way through, and they they looked very impressive all postseason. They, they're the, the favorite going into the World Series simply because how good that offense was in the regular season. They had one of the better run differentials in all of baseball, hit a ton of home runs, and it all kind of comes back to that, that infield I want to say they had five or six all-stars including three members of that infield uh, and then Adolis Garcia being as great as he is so the the hope here I guess yeah the hope is that the bullpen is able to hold up they had issues with that all year they tried to roll as Chapman trying to fortify it they put rookie Cody Bradford out there as a lefty option out of the pen the hope is that the bullpen can hold up because the offense is good enough and the starting pitching with Nathan Eovaldi, Max Scherzer, uh, Jordan Montgomery, the starting pitching is good enough to win. The question is, can the bullpen hold a lead if they get it late?
One of the things that's being talked about in our app here on WNSP is the fact that this may be the least watch World Series in over 20 or 30 years. Would you agree with that assessment, Lindsay? I mean, I know everything's bigger in Texas and the market in Arizona, especially with basketball just starting. A lot of people are, are concentrating on what's going on with the Phoenix Suns. But as far as from a watchable standpoint and from a marketability standpoint, no, it's not the Yankees or the Mets or the Braves in the World Series. But what do you think viewership's going to be? So last year was the second lowest viewership number in World Series history, and it was a big market in Philadelphia and a powerhouse in Houston. I don't necessarily think it's going to set records or anything. That's just not where baseball is as a, as a sport right now. But I think we've seen this season with the changes that MLB has put into place with the pitch clock and you know the, the limiting pickoffs and everything else they're doing, viewership is up. And I think that this is, these are two teams that a lot of the country hasn't had a chance to see as much of as you see the Yankees, as you see the Red Sox and the Braves and the Dodgers. And so I think this number, it's not going to be, again, a record or anything, but I think it's going to surprise a lot of fans when they see after the series how well this World Series did. I think it's going to outdo last year, and it's going to be one of the better World Series of the last couple of years simply because it is that novelty factor. And there's a lot of great storylines to be involved in this with the young players. Well, as we're continuing to talk about the World Series, let's talk about how we, we got to this point in time. Of course, I know you do a tremendous job covering the Atlanta Braves and follow them throughout the entire season. We'll talk about who the Braves were able to re-sign here in just a few moments. But the, the surprise was really the way that the Phillies started off the playoffs and their blazing hot bats that went kind of cold to end the series with the Diamondbacks. And and this is one of the issues you have in baseball's postseason, right? Like a a five-game series, a seven-game series, a three-game series, those are all really small samples. And even teams that are incredibly hot, that are hitting incredibly well, can have two or three bad games. And and so like that that one, that's why baseball is postseason is so different from the regular season. It's all about small sample sizes. But at the same time, like if you're Philadelphia, how do you fix it? There's nothing you can really do. And then that should be something where Atlanta Braves fans, I know a lot of Atlanta Braves fans were upset about how quickly the Braves got eliminated, but this shows you, you can be incredibly hot and just have two or three bad games and your season's over. So 29 teams end up being disappointed every year. And this just shows, you know, the format is the format. Uh, changing it, not changing it, wouldn't necessarily matter. You just have to go out and execute in the postseason. And it's kind of – it's there's a big element of luck to it. And I think it's hard for a lot of us to admit that luck matters in sports. And, like, getting – having good luck, not having bad luck matters. You see what happened in Philadelphia. They go home. They just have to win one of the next two games at home, and they go to the World Series, and the bats go cold. So uh, frustrating – as a fan, but also has to give you a little bit of hope that like, Hey, maybe there's nothing wrong with my team because the Phillies were super hot and they couldn't do it either. 
Lindsey Crosby, our guest here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. And, Lindsey, we, we talked about the Atlanta Braves and their postseason play. They're able to re-sign Pierce Johnson to a two-year 14 point 25 million dollar deal and how huge is that for Atlanta saying look we're going to have somebody that can close the bullpen out for them after being acquired from the Rockies how huge is that for Atlanta moving forward next season so going into this offseason you were like Atlanta was looking at losing six relievers out of that bullpen and Pierce Johnson after he came at the trade deadline was one of the more effective relievers in all of baseball. He pitched in 24 games after the trade deadline, gave up a total of two earned runs. And so bringing him back on a two-year deal means that you have some some consistency in the back end of that bullpen because you were going to have to replace 250 innings from the six relievers that are free agents this year. So getting him back, letting him be able to cover 60 or so innings last year or th- next year at a very, very high level means that uh, it, it's that much less work you have to do in free agency. And now the more money you have available to go sign another starter, especially if you don't get Charlie Morton back. It's a big, it's a big signing for Atlanta. Oh, the Braves go ahead and solidify that bullpen in the offseason. And really the talk of the offseason this past year and in winter meetings as we're going to warm up has kind of been about the umpiring situation, where it's going to lead to. I know they've experimented in minor league baseball with not having umpires behind the plate and how fast games went this season and the not having the three-and-a-half to four-hour baseball games to sit and watch the speed of the game, the stealing of the bases, all the positive changes that baseball made led to enhanced viewership as a whole. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the product, the television product, became better because of the changes. And the in-the-ballpark product became better because of the changes. Because the game, you weren't eliminating any of the actual game. You were eliminating the, the, the empty time between action. And I think going forward, you're going to see a push by Major League Baseball to try to bring some of, not the fully automated umpire system that we saw in the minors, but the challenge system where you can very quickly and on the screen visually correct a blown ball or strike call at home simply because it speeds the game up, it prevents the arguments, and uh, it gives you a better quality product for the, for the players and for the fans. So they're going to keep tweaking, trying to find ways to, to streamline it, but this was the big gain in quality of life that you got was putting the pitch clock in uh, and cutting – 30 or 40 minutes off of the average game from last year to this year. Absolutely. That's huge when you look at the average fan wanting to to see a shorter time frame of baseball being played. And as a whole, I know that the Rangers were not the team that a lot of people did pick to make it to the World Series. And I'll give kudos to you. You've stuck at the beginning of postseason. I asked for your picks and your predictions, and you said we'll probably have Braves and Rangers. And here it is, Rangers and D-backs. Now, as we get ready to start game one, what are your predictions here on this series? How many games will this go? I mean, game seven, magically, in the ALCS and the NLCS, that doesn't happen too frequently. And as a matter of fact, 
barely happens at all. I think maybe only four times before have you seen two game sevens in between the two series. But what's this World Series going to boil down to? Uh, for me, I'm picking Texas in six. I think it's going to be a, uh, probably a six-game series. And for me, the big question is going to be, can Arizona score enough runs to keep up with Texas? Uh, Texas has that great offense. A lot of home runs. Arizona's been smaller power production. They've been more on getting on base, stealing extra bases, and then getting driven in. And when you have pitchers like Texas has that are very good at picking players off, at containing the running game with a good catching uh, tandem, can Arizona score enough runs to win? And I'd ultimately, I think Texas is going to do it. I have got Texas in six. Texas in six, and who do you think winds up being the most valuable player in the World Series? It feels like it's going to be Adolis Garcia, right? He had a massive ALCS, incredibly loud home runs, and this feels kind of like his coming out party as a certified star in Major League Baseball. I like that prediction there, and when we do end, baseball here is – you get the weather changing a little bit. The The fall weather is going to be upon us starting next week after Halloween. And it means that college baseball and what the Auburn Tigers are been able to do is right around the corner as you have softball and baseball starting some of their fall practices and getting ready to see the spring. Auburn, the expectations for Coach Thompson coming up during this offseason. They had a fantastic uh, recruiting class, even though they lost their top two hitters to the MLB draft, to, and Cole Emerson and Kevin McGonigal. But uh, right now, it's bringing in, they brought in a lot of players, and it's trying to figure out uh, where all of these guys are going to slot in from a, from a pitching standpoint. The last scrimmage they did against Alabama, Alabama won both, both of the games, but none of Auburn's pitchers pitched more than one or maybe one, you know, in two-thirds innings because they're trying to figure out who's going to stretch out as a starter, who's going to be your bullpen guys, who's going to be your closer. And for Auburn, I think it's all going to come down to the pitching staff. It's kind of a story we've had with this Auburn team before. They've got five or six different candidates to take those weekend starts. But what Auburn hasn't had since the last College World Series team is a, a, a pitching staff that kind of had defined roles and they knew who they could count on on a Friday night, who they could count on a Saturday night, and who they could go to their two guys out of the bullpen to shut down a rally and close the game. So I think the sooner Auburn can figure that out, uh, the better chances or better, better idea we'll have of how their season's going to go. And I'm excited because next weekend they'll be down in Biloxi playing, uh, playing in the Biloxi Shuckers ballpark trying to – do some fall ball action against some outside squads outside of the SEC and maybe figure out what that pitching staff's going to look like. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's sitting right here upon us. Doesn't take that long. And, Lindsay, can't thank you enough for all your great and valuable knowledge of not only minor league baseball, major league baseball, and Auburn baseball as well. If people would like to follow all of your great coverage of all three, how can they do so? The, the hub for everything is Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, whether it's the Major League Baseball, BraveToday.com, the Minor League Baseball, Locked It Will Be Prospects. We actually have a show tomorrow with probable first-rounders out of the SEC. We brought on Mark Etheridge from D1Baseball.com for that. 
So wherever you get your podcast on Locked and Blue Prospects or collegebaseballauburndaily.com. Lindsay, thank you so much. Look forward to talking to you again next week as we'll be talking about the World Series and where we're standing from a game standpoint. Thanks for having me, Corey. Always love it. Lindsey Crosby joining us this afternoon on the final drive. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Juan Sierra, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Want to thank Lindsey Crosby for keeping us up to date on our Major League Baseball along with Auburn Baseball that will be right around the corner as well. And, you know, one of the big stories is the Gulf Shores recruiting allegations that have been made. And Simone Eli, sports director for WKRG News 5, has documents in her possession that, that show where allegedly – Gulf Coast Athletics was housing or paying for rent for student athletes to become part of the Gulf Shores program, which in turn leads to the AHSAA probably making a visit down to the Gulf Shores area to, to find out what's really going on with things. And you, you hate it for Gulf Shores because right now they are 8-0, getting ready to play in their homecoming game against Viger this week and so far have done and secured a region championship. And Viger is one of those programs that had to forfeit and give back wins as well. Not the first team to give back wins as Coosa Central or Christian and Pale City both had to forfeit wins. So it's something that we've seen a lot of here lately within the state of Alabama. Very unfortunate, but the number one ranked team in 5A with those documents that have been provided to Simone Eli and WKRG. We'll see what happens after the fact, and you would hate to go an entire season or win this game against Viger, be technically 9-0, and have an asterisk, and the AHSAA makes the decision to where they have to forfeit wins if they find out that student athletes weren't eligible. And we almost were in a situation with Sarah Land one year ago because we were a couple of weeks into the playoffs and people were wondering whether the Spartans were going to have to forfeit all of their wins, which makes it tough when you're dealing and just the unknown and not knowing. But once again, that's probably one of the biggest headlines here along and really in the state of Alabama is Gulf Shores being ranked number one for the first time in 5A the last couple of weeks. When we come back here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5, we'll talk to Coastal Alabama's softball head coach, Mallory Radwich. She does a wonderful job there with the Lady Coyotes, and we'll talk with Coach Radwich on the other side of this break here on WNSP 105.5. This is George Hara, bench coach of the Houston Astros, and you're listening to WNFT.
Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. I'm Corey LeBounty. want to thank everyone for tuning in this Thursday afternoon. And if you haven't downloaded the free sound of Mobile app, make sure you do so. Free to any Android or Apple device that you may have. And so far in today's show, we've had an opportunity to talk to Andrew Spivey. GatorCountry.com. We've talked to South Alabama backup quarterback Gio Lopez. Lindsey Crosby has kept us in the loop with Major League Baseball World Series that's going to start tomorrow night. And now it's a pleasure to be joined by the head women's softball coach at Coastal Alabama, Bay Manette, Mallory Radwich. And Coach Radwich, no stranger to Mobile, Alabama, as she had her high school baseball season as a Baker honeybee and have a lot of success there to where she was very passionate about the game of softball and went on to play for Faulkner State now, which is called Coastal Alabama. want to welcome Coach Mallory to our final drive show this afternoon. Coach, how's everything going? Great. How are you? Absolutely blessed by the best. And coach, want to jump right in here and talk to you about the success that the 2022 program had the most wins in school history. And I know that you were tremendously excited about the success that your program had in 2022 and moving forward here as the rebranding has begun at Coastal Alabama. Now the Lady Coyotes have an opportunity to to start a new tradition and to start really another division championship under the new brand of Coastal Alabama being the Coyotes. Yes, sir. We're excited um, for this, I guess, new era. Um, obviously, uh, playing as a Sun Chief, um, you know, uh, I held the Sun Chief near and dear to my heart, but we're super excited about the, the rebranding and, um, you know, what's to continue to take place at Coastal Alabama. Well, it's not only that. You have an opportunity to teach in the health and physical education department alongside your coaching duties. And I know that's great to where when you're able to be hands-on with your student athletes in regards to seeing them on a daily basis achieve their academic goals along with their athletic goals because you were one of those who, when you left – Faulkner State at the time, you, you didn't shy away from academically what it took to be successful also. Yeah, that's correct. I love um, the academic advising portion and the teaching portion of my job because it does give me an opportunity to be hands-on in all aspects of the student-athlete. And, you know, of course, if you don't make the grades, then the the sports are irrelevant. So it's super important that they make their grades and stay on track to graduate because um, pretty much all of my players want to go on, whether it be to play softball after um, all of them pretty much pursue degrees after Coastal Alabama. So it's super important. That when you did leave Faulkner State, now Coastal Alabama Community College, you had an opportunity to, to further that education at Bellhaven, and you're in the Bellhaven University Sports Hall of Fame, class of 2022. Talk about what that meant to you and still being an all-time leader there in many categories as a women's softball coach. 
Yeah, that was uh, one of the most humbling experiences. I mean, I never really thought of myself as a Hall of Famer, so when they called me and told me I was being inducted, I mean, it was very humbling. Um, I, I knew God had definitely placed me at Belhaven after my time at Faulkner, and, um, you know, it was a special place, and I was able to, to achieve a lot of my goals there and um, have a lot of fun. Speaking with head women's softball coach at Coastal Alabama Bay Manette, the Lady Coyotes getting ready to get things started. And a lot of people don't know, we were just talking to Lindsey Crosby about the Auburn baseball program coming over to Biloxi to, to kind of get some off-season work done with some non-conference opponents. You have that fall season, which kind of gives you an opportunity to springboard into the spring to see what you're going to be working with. Talk about your upcoming roster this season that we can look forward to see. Yeah, so we wrap up our fall scrimmage schedule tomorrow at South Alabama at 4 o'clock, and um, we're very excited. We have a lot of new freshmen. Um, we're going to be a different type of team this year than we were last year. More uh, Last year we had a lot of power. This year we're going to be more speed. Um super athletic team and we're very excited um you know we have a lot a lot of pitching depth this year and we're just excited to see what those kids do in the spring they're getting better every day they're working very hard the team chemistry is uh definitely probably one of the best that i've ever uh seen this early on so um they're a lot of fun to be around and we're very excited to, to hit the field in the spring let's talk about some of the young ladies that you may have on your roster because as again, women's softball continues to explode and you're starting to see year-round travel teams and the growth of women's athletics is tremendous. Also, I know that there's a lot of excitement when you're able to get those local players on your roster, but just winners on the field and off the field also. Absolutely. Um, you know, we recruit all around. Obviously, I want... Um, all the talent that I can get from Mobile and Baldwin County. Um, we don't want to pass up on any of those kids, but we do have to, you know, branch out and take kids from other places. And um, one in particular, Taylor Hunt's a Daphne High School grad, and she's absolutely had a phenomenal fall. Um, and she's an amazing softball player, but an even better uh, person, high-character kid. And, you know, it's just kids like that that you enjoy coaching every single day. Um, she gives it her all, and, and she definitely um, is making uh, Daphne High School proud on the, the collegiate level. Coach, if people want to reach out to you and learn more about Coastal Alabama Bay Manette's Lady Softball, Lady Coyotes Softball Program, how can they do so and the type of recruiting access that, that you have getting a chance to see this talent, not only here in Mobile, Baldwin County, but across the state and really across the country. How can people get in touch with you if they have a, a young lady who's interested in playing softball at that next level? I know that you would love for them to be part of this Coastal Alabama Coyotes program. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I check my emails, um, you know, all the time. You can always email me, reach out to me. Uh, with us being a junior college, we don't have as many restrictions as your NCAA schools. Um, we post our camps on all of our social media pages and things like that. But anybody who's interested um, can fill out a prospect questionnaire on our website or, or they can always reach out to me, send me, you know, their travel and high school schedules and things like that. Um, and we will be happy to keep up with them. 
Coach Mallory Radwich, can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to join us here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5, and we'll be talking with you again very soon. Thank you. Mallory Radwich joining us this afternoon here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back here on the final drive. My name is Robert Brazil. I'm from the class of 2018 Pro Football Hall of Fame. You're listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. I'm Corey Labounty, and we want to thank everyone for tuning in to the final drive here. And you can always download the free Sound of Mobile app to any Android or Apple device that you may have. And we correspond with you on that app. Love to hear from you and get your thoughts and opinions on what's going on, whether it's on the opening kickoff or the final drive. And, of course, Pigskin Pete Scoreboard Show every single Friday night. And tonight, don't forget the Prep Spotlight coming up immediately following the final drive tonight. And also, we have some a lot of high school football action tonight also so as football season winds down its last couple of weeks of the regular season that means that you do have your winter and spring sports right around the corner and we always love to talk to Trent Massey of Future One's team sales Trent how's everything going for you that's going great, Corey. How are you guys doing? Absolutely blessed by the best. And as we're having this Mobile, Alabama-ish weather, you know, right. you love the fact that it's 80-something degrees at the end of October. But here next week for Halloween, the temperature is going to continue to drop. So that means you need to go ahead and get ready for all your winter apparel needs for your winter sports. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to next week. It'll feel like football weather moving into the playoffs. So uh, that'll be nice for everybody that's going to make that run. And absolutely, there's uh, these basketball orders that are still coming in and uh, softball, baseball, track orders. Uh, yeah, we're definitely getting ready for the winter and spring sports already. So uh, I've even had a football team reach out to me about ordering new uniforms already. They're, I guess they uh, pretty much hung it up, and they're they're moving on the next year. So. Never, yeah, we're staying busy. never too late to order for the next season. And when you look at the jackets that you guys have, the throwback baseball or softball jackets, as this weather continues to change, it's almost like a letterman's jacket that you guys can offer as well, customized the way that they like it. Absolutely. We, we sell a lot of those, and then we're selling more and more. Um, some businesses would probably really like to have that as well, and maybe – uh, getting some for their salespeople. It's a really nice, like I said, throwback um, jacket. Looks like an old Letterman's jacket, and uh, we're, we're definitely selling a lot of those. So, yeah, we're uh, definitely kicking off into the new the new seasons. Uh, we're looking forward to a big year for Future Ones next year. We uh, re upped our AHSAA contract recently, so we're in for three more years. And, uh, and we're just excited about the future of future ones. So. Well, you also have those opportunities for those who love the shoes. You can get customized cleats, customized shoes, the throwback that you guys were able to present here to Centerpoint. I know that that's worth a look on a lot of your websites that it's been a hot item as well. 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We we are doing a lot of shoes uh, right now, and we have some new kind of some old Chuck replicas uh, that we can customize for basketball teams and coaches, and got a lot of those going on now. So, yeah, if you uh, if you're interested in any of those items, you can reach us at uh, futureones.com. That's the word future, the number one s dot com. You can email us at sales at futureones.com, or you can always give us a call at eight seven seven five eight three. 0747. The customization of what Future Ones offers. If you see it on the website or if you want to make any tweaks or changes or you have an idea in mind, all they have to do is meet with your great sales team to create any type of customized items that they want. So, Trent, can't thank you enough for taking time with us here on the final drive to talk about Future Ones. And once again, let everybody know that number to where they can reach you and that website once again. I appreciate you, Corey. The number is uh, 877-583-0747. Give us a call. Shoot us an email at sales at futureones.com. We'd love to take care of any of your apparel needs. Trent Massey, can't thank you enough for your time this evening on the final drive, and we'll talk to you again very soon. All right. Thank you. Trent Massey, one of the founders of Future Ones, joining us this afternoon here on the final drive. And as we look forward to tonight, plenty to keep an eye on tonight as the television will be full of football as you have Syracuse and Virginia Tech with the little college football action. Sunbelt Conference in action, Georgia State and Georgia Southern. Georgia State at 6-1, and one, and you look at Georgia, Georgia State at six and one, Georgia Southern at five and two. So that part is going to be a good game as far as Sunbelt Conference standings are concerned. South Carolina State and North Carolina Central will play one another tonight also. And you have plenty of NFL action that's going to get our week started with Tampa Bay at Buffalo. If there was anything called a must win, Early in the season, the Buffalo Bills have to get it in gear, and Tampa Bay doesn't look like Baker Mayfield will take that starting spot tonight. Buffalo 10-point favorites there in this NFL matchup. So you have some great football action, college and pro, to keep us busy tonight, and that's exactly the way we like it this time of season. Football every single night. If you like the World Series, it gets starts tomorrow night. And we also had a chance to, to hear from Nick Saban a little earlier today on the Pat McAfee show. He talked about his chewing on the cigar. He talked about his Lamborghini. I want to hear about Nick Saban talk about his Lamborghini once again. And Coach Saban, a car connoisseur, if you would like to call him that. There in like the genuine happiness yeah. and then you've talked about his confidence over the last few weeks just growing and growing at his position I think we're seeing him evolve into phenomenal football player do you agree at that thing and what are we doing this bye week to maybe continue that or are you giving him some time to relax what's the schedule for the boys no we, we practice on Tuesday Wednesday we're actually practicing today uh, then we give them Friday Saturday Sunday off we didn't practice we didn't do anything on Sunday with them we didn't do any, anything on Monday except, you know, watch the film of the game. So we calculate that we're doing 43% of the work from Sunday to Sunday that we would normally do 
you know, in a regular week when we had a game, which I think the players really need. I'm telling you, playing eight games in a row has been grueling. Uh, you get a lot of guys banged up. But I think more than anything, guys get psychologically tired. Nick Saban talking about psychology there and what they do during that bye week. But he also talked about on the Pat McAfee show about what he does on Wednesdays if it's not raining. What do you do here for the bye week, huh? We going to golf? We're driving around the Ferrari? We having uh, maybe Miss Terry out on the boat having a, a day? What are we doing for bye week, huh? We live in a little? Yeah. Chewing some cigars? What are we doing? No, I drive the I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm sure I'm obsessive compulsive or something, but I only drive the Ferrari on Wednesday if it's not raining. So that's kind of the program. I don't and know if I'm obsessive compulsive, <laughs> but I'm on Wednesday if it's not raining. Okay, I love Wednesday if it's not raining. And Coach Saban says he doesn't know if he's obsessive compulsive. Well, I got news for you, Coach. You're definitely OCD. And probably in the worst, best way, if that's definitely possible, to put those two together. And when you hear that OCD, what you also do is win national championships as well. And I know that when Nick Saban, you, you hear him talk a little bit about the psychology of the game. You hear him talk about what he does as far as liking to not smoke on the cigar, but kind of chew on the cigar. Always interesting takes there from Nick Saban when he joins Pat McAfee. And one of the things that Triple G and I were talking about is how did Pat McAfee go ahead and get Nick Saban to come on every single Thursday? Well, we found out that Pat McAfee pays a pretty penny to get Nick Saban on his show every single Thursday. And sometimes when you have those paid guests, you get a little bit more out of them and get them to loosen up because they know they can open up when you're all paying Coach Saban to come on to your show. That's probably one of the reasons that a lot of the statewide radio stations, including this one here, can talk to anybody but Nick Saban and we know the affiliation with the SEC network that Coach Saban has, but when you pay for bits like that, sometimes they do turn out to be radio gold, and you learn something new each and every week as far as Nick Saban talking about. He only drives his Ferrari on Wednesdays if it's not raining. Of course, if it's raining, he doesn't want to take a chance to wreck that Ferrari, but when you have your choice of vehicles that he has in his garage, I guess it's nice to take the red Ferrari out for a spin, Nathan, on a on a Wednesday afternoon when it's not raining. And only during the bye week does he decide to, to go ahead and take out that Ferrari. Ferrari. We were talking a little bit about the NFL tonight, the, the Buccaneers at the Bills, and this weekend you'll have Brock Purdy not playing. He's in pro concussion protocol for the San Francisco 49ers and the 49ers playing the Bengals in which I think will be one of the better games in the NFL this weekend. So if, if Brock Purdy is not able to play, is it possible that the 49ers will lose three games in a row, especially after they got out to the wonderful start that they had looking like the most dominant team in the NFL. And now 
it's a question mark. If you had to pick who was the most dominant team in the NFL, guess what, folks? I don't have one. If you can tell me who's the most dominant team, I'll show you that you'll probably need to go ahead and continue to go to Vegas because on a week-to-week basis, no one ever knows who's the most dominant team. But we do want to thank all our guests here so far in the first couple of hours of the final drive. Andrew Spivey joining us, GatorCountry.com. Gio Lopez, backup quarterback for the Jaguars. Lindsey Crosby covers Major League. This is the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report on 105.5 FM WNSP. An hour of the latest news and reports from the Plains and the Capstone with Corey LaBounty and Nick Wiggins. Brought to you by State Farm Agent Heath Parker. Streaming live on the Sound of Mobile app. Here are Corey and Nick. Welcome to hour number three of the final drive. That means it is the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. Nick Wiggins, he's at home taking care of his precious baby girl, so I'm going to be flying solo for a couple of more days. And what that does mean here on Thursday, though, we get an opportunity to talk Alabama and we get a chance to talk Auburn during this hour. And who better to talk to about the Alabama Crimson Tide that Brett Greenberg, recruiting reporter for Bama 24-7 and 24-7 Sports. Brett being no stranger to this Mobile, Alabama market and being the former digital producer at WKRG and Next Star Media. Brett, how's it going this evening, my friend? What's up, Corey? How you doing, my man? Man, absolutely. Uh, it's been it. Go ahead. Blessed by the best, brother. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Brett, I know that Alabama coming off that huge win uh, against the Tennessee Volunteers, one in which, you know, if you're going to be a recruit coming to a game in Tuscaloosa, you want to be a part of one of the loudest environments that is around. And I know there were so many four- and five-star athletes that have had an opportunity not only to be at the Texas-Alabama game, but to also be at this Tennessee-Alabama game in which the environment and the crowd is second to none, which gives the recruits just a great feel for what it's like to be a part of the Bryant-Denny Stadium. Yeah, absolutely. You really couldn't have asked for a better environment and atmosphere over on Saturday night and the third Saturday in October. Uh, Kind of a Slow start for Alabama in the first half, kind of been the name of the game so far this season, but put it together, shut out the volunteers in the second half to come away with a victory and stay undefeated in SEC play. Uh, Talked with several commits and recruits who were there on hand for the game. Everybody raved about the atmosphere. Everybody said who's been there multiple times. That was the loudest they've heard Brian Denny. And what another cool note that I've been learning, been talking with so many guys the past couple of days is they were actually part of that post-game celebration in the locker room, that cigar smoke-filled celebration in the locker room. A couple of them joked with me that they got secondhand smoke, their eyes were burning, but they loved it. It was just overall a great weekend for the current Crimson Tide team and their chances to get to Atlanta, which is the goal every single season and beyond that, but also in the next couple of years, showing your recruits that you're continuing to win. And an atmosphere and a win like that is going to bring commits back. We're seeing that uh, in our early list for the LSU week in a couple of weeks, which is We've got an early list of uh, confirmed visitors on Bama 247. That's continued to grow. And it, it, uh, by the looks of it right now, it's going to be a star-studded weekend up in uh, Tuscaloosa. Massive 
SEC West showdown with LSU Tigers. Well, you, you love it when you have an Iron Bowl to where Alabama and Auburn both are good, and you've seen the recruiting momentum that Hugh Freeze has tried to generate for the Auburn Tigers. And on the flip side of that, Nick Saban's continued to hold on to that tradition of not only recruiting well, but producing those recruits into being patient, sticking around, and the productivity, even when you're sitting behind other three and four and five star athletes waiting your turn that's the name of the game and I know we are in a different society to where it's kind of like the microwave society you want to play immediately but I go back and you look at what Jalen Hurts was able to learn what Tua Tonga Violo was able to learn what Mac Jones was able to learn what Bryce Young is able to learn that's just from the quarterback position where they waited their turn and their name to be called patiently and you see the results that they've gotten I could go on to the defensive side of the ball and name just as many but these prospects are seeing the electric environment and some are waiting their turn and others like Caleb Downs come in and step on the field immediately and are ready to play big boy football. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I mean, I, we'll talk with Caleb. We'll start with Caleb Downs, obviously high expectations being compared to Mika Fitzpatrick before he even puts on a uniform. Anytime you compare a kid to Mika Fitzpatrick, there's a lot of high expectations and pressure, but he's a kid that handles it, knows what he's doing, and obviously has proved on the field. And you talked about the quarterbacks in waiting, but in, and you mentioned defense, but certainly at Dallas Turner and Chris Baswell, two edge rushers, two of the best edge rushers in the country, and probably the best duo in the country for my money. And it's funny, you talk to a bunch of commits and recruits uh, these last couple of days. And, and you know, th these Bama recruits, they're doing their homework too. A lot of them mentioned to me how they've watched Dallas Turner and Chris Baswell since their freshman year. Maybe, you know, stuck behind a Will Anderson and other guys like that, but waiting their turn and flourishing uh, under Kevin Steele in his first year back uh, on the defense. But, yeah, like you said, a lot of these Alabama recruits are held to a different standard, so to speak. Maybe not, you know, a guy trying to demand money to even be on campus. They know. They've seen it. They've proven development and they they can see that they're doing their homework firsthand absolutely and had a chance to see an alabama verbal commit in mbakwe who plays at central or where, where is mbakwe clay, clay chalkville clay chalkville and just a tremendous athlete on the quarterback side of things that particular night on ESPN. And you, you see someone like that who's going to make the transition. He scores maybe five touchdowns against Thompson in a nationally televised game who is your four-time defending 7A state champion. And then you look at him stepping onto Alabama's campus, switching sides of the football. And I know he's not going to play on the offense side for the Crimson Tide, but that just goes to show you the type of athletes that Alabama is recruiting. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually in person on the sidelines for that Clay Chocolate Thompson game. What an absolutely incredible game. Jalen Mbakwe, like you said, flashes athleticism. He had five rushing touchdowns, uh, had a passing uh, two-point conversion. And, you know, talked with him after the game. He's just a team first type of guy. I remember him coming to me and telling me that he was going to play quarterback for Clay Chalkville. As prior to the season, he, you know, played quarterback for the seven on seven. Their quarterback got hurt and, and uh, Jalen Bakway is the best, best athlete on that field and probably the best athlete in the country and proved it. And, you know, like you said, he may not be playing offense, but he's going to come in and he may find his way onto the offense side of the ball, just flashing that athleticism. He's another guy that's going to be an early enrollee along with plenty of other guys. 
Uh, maybe, you know, they find a way to give him the ball. He can be a power turner or a kick returner. But, yeah, I mean, just kind of a freak athlete and showcase it to the world. And just a great kid, comes from a great family. And, you know, another guy that has really flashed this season, and I wouldn't say it's too much of a surprise, but someone over down in the Gulf Coast, your neck of the woods, Sterling Dixon, you know, moves over from Mobile Christian to Spanish Sport. Had a kind of a slower start to the year, moving to, uh, to outside linebacker after playing you know, primarily D-line Ed for Mobile Christians just been outstanding for the Toros this season. They've had a great year. You know, obviously that loss to Sarah Land, but, you know, as it looks through right now, nobody's really start, stopping the Spartans. But, he, you know, 123 tackles, 12 and a half sacks, number three in sacks in the state. And he's another guy, just a great kid, going to be an early enrollee, and he's going to find his way onto the field for sure. Yeah, I was talking to Gio Lopez, who is the true freshman quarterback, backup-wise for the South Alabama Jaguars, and he mentioned the benefits of being an early enrollee, and he said he would encourage any high school student-athlete who wants to get ahead of the game to be an early enrollee, especially if you want – automatic early playing time to get ahead of the academic curve as well as the athletic curve but you mentioned Sterling Dixon Jr. he was getting a whiff of some of that cigar smoke on the field and in the <laughs> locker room with some of those players and I was calling the game with my partner Al Whedon when he got hurt against Theodore and I thought his season was over with and here it is he gets a, a couple of weeks to rest that shoulder slings it up and is just continuing to wreak havoc defensively since his return so it's not only him it's being able to keep people like Ryan Williams from Sarah Land High School, you, you saw the damage that he was able to do as Mr. Football a year ago for the Spartans. You see him on Auburn's campus a couple of times that gives the Crimson Tide fans a little bit of concern there. I know, but Ryan has continued to, to pledge his allegiance to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yes, sir, and I was actually talking about this on our weekly recruiting hit from Bama 247. Another great kid, been to committed to Alabama for a very long time, and like I tell everybody, you know, if I was in these guys' shoes, I'm taking any visit I can, enjoy it, get wined and dined, get some cool gear, do what you need to do, but like I said previously, too, with Ryan Williams, the Alabama staff didn't know he was at Auburn. He was in touch with Alabama players, recruits and commits all the week throughout the weekend. He actually was watching the Alabama-Tennessee game from Jordan-Hare Stadium. You know, I think if you look at the Auburn side, it looks like kind of a flip, a flip is imminent. But from what we're hearing on this side over at 247 and what he's told everybody, it, it seems to be he's pretty locked in with Alabama. And I, and I would be, you know, generally shocked if he ends up at the Plains on the Plains next season or, or you know, in two seasons. We're speaking with Brett Greenberg, recruiting reporter for Bama 247. And Brett, no stranger here to the Mobile, Alabama market, having stepped away to take those recruiting reporter duties for Bama 247. Can't think of a, a better job to have in regards to having a chance to meet all these phenomenal four- and five-star recruits who are thinking about making the capstone home for at least three years. And at the beginning of the year, Alabama, there was a three-quarterback race, and Nick Saban has five quarterbacks on the roster. Jalen Milrow has kind of taken that bull by the horns, but one that a lot of people are excited about hearing about and seeing is one Julian Sayin, and Sayin continues to light up the skies and the night, Friday night lights during his senior season this past week, having an opportunity to continue to be successful 
I know that that's one that Alabama definitely probably will welcome to campus against LSU. Yes, sir. So I was speaking with him a couple weeks ago and actually spoke, reconnected with him this week. Original plans was to get down to LSU. He's still trying to figure that out. And, and again, to Alabama fans, if he doesn't make it down, it's not a cause for concern. It's, he's from California. It's a long trip. He's playing Friday night at the, his season, uh, I believe it's senior night. So if he doesn't make it down, it's not too big of a concern. But, yeah, he's certainly uh, continued to light, light it up for Carlsbad. Just last week he was 20 for 27, 441 yards and five total touch, touchdowns, four of those through the air. Um, he's up to 20 touchdowns, no interceptions this year on, I believe, just over 1,900 passing yards. But one thing to really kind of note is he's got four rushing touchdowns as well. You know, obviously being the elite MVP, kind of taking the college football recruiting world by storm over the summer, just improving. And you saw he could make any throw. He's calm, cool, and collected in the pocket. But what really, you know, interests me and intrigues me is his ability to use his legs. You know, I watched him a couple times on national TV this season. And when that pocket collapses, he's very calm. He's very cool. And he extends plays with his legs and he's a physical runner as well. And, you know, I don't want to put too many expectations on a kid, but he's going to guy that's going to probably come in and likely compete. He'll be there for bowl practice. He'll, you know, probably be scout team quarterback for the opposing team. And just with the way the transfer portal era is, you never know what the quarterback room is going to look like next year. But yeah, he's a guy that I think Alabama fans are really going to like. And, you know, just as important on the field, I think off the field is equally as important. He's talked to him multiple times, steady-headed, calm, cool, and collected, like I said. And just a kid that wants to get here. He loves Tommy Reese. He loves Nick Saban. He loves the scheme that Tommy Reese is playing. And I think, you know, Alabama fans are really going to like him. It's never too early to look ahead, and that's what you kind of plant your feet on as coaches, building relationships as a recruiting coordinator. The younger, the better in regards to getting in early with these recruits. And you look at the number one edge, Hezekiah Harris, being in town. He's a 2026 young player, and I know that with him being in Tuscaloosa, you look at Anthony Tank Jones here from St. Paul's being another top rated player in the class of 2026 when you're able to build those type of relationships and I know talking to Tank Jones yesterday from St. Paul's at a banquet he, he's, he's kind of highly favoring the Alabama Crimson Tide but he's still being recruited by every power five school in the country also yeah th those two you know, great names you just brought up those two you know when it's all said and done number one edge number one linebacker in the 26 class they're going to have a pick into what school they want to go to but Getting them on campus a handful of times so early in their recruitment, just sophomores, is a great big deal. Like you said, Anthony Jones will actually return to Tuscaloosa in a week and a half for the LSU weekend. He loves Alabama, loves the production and development in Alabama. And that's what you hear from a lot of these kids, especially at the linebacker edge position, D-line position, is the production of talent can't be ignored. And it's very cool to listen to as They'll list, you know, some guys that have come through Alabama and been successful and gotten these big contracts in the NFL like Quinn Williams. These Alabama recruits are doing their homework as well and actually spoke with Ezekiel Harris, I believe it was two days ago. He was in town for the Tennessee game, just raved about it. He'll return for the LSU game as well. And, you know, I know it's like you said, it's a long ways away, but building these guys' relationship with coaches, getting them back on campus, and certainly, you know, two guys that are in-state prospects definitely, uh, definitely does not hurt. Speaking with Brett Greenberg, recruiting reporter for Bama 24-7 Sports. And I know Brett also 
if there is a need, an immediate need for Alabama in the class of 2024, whether it's from a four- or five-star recruit standpoint or from the transfer portal standpoint, you never know who's going to jump in the portal. But if you had to pick a position that the Crimson Tide are going to need to fill, to me, it's going to be trying to replace Will Reichard at the kicker position. And that's a guy who's the SEC's all-time leading scorer and is so very accurate for the Crimson Tide. I know that is there a kicker on deck to replace Will Reichard or what other position do you think Nick Saban and his staff are going to need to replace the most. Yeah, absolutely. So starting with just with place kicker, Will Reichert's replacement, Alabama got a commitment for Connor Talty, number two kicker in the country last year. He's probably next up on that front. And I think, you know, this class isn't going to include probably a special teams guy you see maybe in 2025, them, guy, them go after another big guy. But as far as the 2024 class, you know, with early signing day being, I believe it's 55 days away on December 20th, there's not a lot of uncommitted prospects left. Um, we're trying to, we're slowly starting to get into flip season, but you know, one of the main priorities, and I think it's the main priority for any team, quite frankly, is Jordan Seaton, number one offensive tackle out of IMG Academy. He, uh, been to Alabama quite a few times. He's back in, he took his official visit in June and said Alabama was the leader. He came for Texas week and that was a surprise visit and doubled down on that two, four, two, four, seven sports that he believes Alabama is his leader. And he, again, goes back to this production doing their homework. He, you know, he's got that IMG pipeline with Evan Neal, Tyler Booker, JC Langtham. So he knows what it is firsthand in Alabama. Um, another guy is Daniel Hill out of Meridian, Mississippi, not too far from Gulf Coast down there. Uh, four-star running back, been to Alabama seemingly 100 times as a recruit. He'll return again next weekend for LSU game for, I believe, it's his fourth uh, home game visit. Alabama, you know, quite frankly, I feel like is in the lead, not entirely sure what the holdup is here. Maybe he's a silent commitment and he's, you know, going to commit in December, not entirely sure. And then another, I guess, need or hole, so to speak, is at the defensive line position with just Isaiah Fogg and Jeremiah Beeman, two in-state guys committed. But you've seen Alabama kind of make a push for William Eccles, who's an Ole Miss commit. He's been is a four-star D lineman out of Mississippi as well. He's been, a, been an Ole Miss commit for a really long time. Uh, picked up an offer about two weeks ago and made the trip to Tennessee weekend five days later. From what we heard, he had another great time and is seriously considering Alabama to give him a lot to think about. Um, and then that's kind of far as far as it goes there. There's a bunch of other targets that I'm talking about on Bama 247 as well if you'd like to come over there. Absolutely. I, I would definitely encourage everyone to go to your site there, Bama 24-7 or 247, depending on how you want to look at it. Want to get your predictions upcoming for this Alabama LSU matchup. You look at the way Alabama came out flat against Tennessee. You look at the way that they struggled against Texas. We're leading by a small margin and it was early in Milrose starting career that they weren't able to overcome that pick six but the, the maturity that Milrose has shown and that game being played at Bryant-Denny Stadium in front of a full house. We know what this game means to the SEC West and having an opportunity to to win a, a SEC championship or at least get to the SEC championship game in front of so many four- and five-star recruits. Do you expect a high-scoring game, or do you think this is going to be a truly a defensive battle? Yeah, I, I mean, I think immediate thought is high-scoring game. I think, you know, if you're a betting man, probably 
take the over just between these two offenses. I think Alabama can, when they need to, can get up and score. And LSU's obviously got Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors, who's one of the best wide receiver quarterback duos in the country. And like you said, you know, another slow start for Alabama, and it's been kind of been like that for all year. I believe every first half, every first drive they've had, it's like five of them are punts. They've only scored one touchdown on their first drive uh, in each of these last games. And, you know, I don't know if LSU's a team you can go down 14-3 to three or something like that. Um, it's going to be high scoring. I think Alabama's defense is going to show up. But, you know, the biggest question mark is this, is, is this Alabama team going to finally put it together for 60 minutes because this LSU offense and this LSU defense, quite frankly, is not a team you want to go down two scores to. Absolutely not. I do expect a, a nice output of offense on display next Saturday at Brian Denny Stadium. And Brett, we appreciate all your production that you've been able to provide us here on our Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report here. And it's always great catching up with you. But if people want to learn and have more information and that inside recruiting scoop, especially with our first national signing day, you know you're a great writer and reporter and recruiting analyst when you can break down the amount of days until the first signing day like you just did earlier in our report. Talk to us about how people can follow your great work. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, real quick, I'll kind of joke with my coworkers that, you know, you guys, there's a bye week, so your team reporters are kind of not doing as much work this week, but recruiting doesn't stop. Recruiting doesn't have a bye week. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you can go on over to Bama 247. It's on the 247 sports site for all things recruited and got a little bit of basketball recruiting in there as well, just with the way Nate Oates is bringing in top tier talent and guys are seriously considering Alabama. And you can also, you know, follow me at Brett Greenberg underscore on Twitter as well. Bama two, four, seven has got a Facebook. We got an Instagram. We got a Twitter and all the latest recruiting news, basketball, football, team recruiting news, everything you need. Uh, all come on over to Bama two, four, seven. You can get your first month of your membership for just $1. So, you know, again, it's 55 days. It's going to shortly be here for signing day. Come on over for the best recruiting coverage there is. Appreciate all your Bama knowledge, Brett, and all your recruiting wisdom, and look forward to talking to you down the road very soon, my friend. Yes, sir, Corey. You have a great night. I appreciate it. And it was uh, too long before I came on, out, came on back on here. So uh, let me get on here soon. You got it. You got it. Recruiting right <laughs> around the corner. So we'll definitely have our Bama recruiting guru, Brett Greenberg, joining us here on the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. We'll be back and we'll switch over to the Tiger side of things. Mike Gittens, he is the show host and co-founder of The War Report, talking about the Auburn Tigers next here on the Gulf Coast Autotech Tide and Tiger Report. Hey, this is Jimmy Ripple from Gator Boys, and you're listening to WNSP on 105.5. Welcome back to the Gulf Coast Autotech Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Once again, Corey and Nick. Welcome back to the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report here on WNSP 105.5. want to thank everyone for tuning in, and we want to thank our last guest who joined us, Britt Greenberg from Bama 24-7 Sports, for giving us the Tide 
side of things here on our Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. And now to give us the Tiger side of things, we have the show host and co-founder of the War Report, Mike Gittens, joining us. Mike, man, how are things going down on the plains? Oh, man, there's a lot of nervousness, Corey. Uh, look, uh, fans on the plains are a little disappointed that things have been the way they have been offensively with Auburn. Now, I don't think anybody expected a bunch of W's in the win column uh, this year, but I think certainly they expected it to look a little smoother than it has on offense, or a lot smoother than it has on offense. So this offensive result this year has been disappointing. They brought in Peyton Thorne. I don't think he's lived up to the expectations uh, that they had when they brought him in. Uh, and quite honestly, as a staff, I think they've underperformed as well, too, offensively. So hopefully against uh, what is not a very good Mississippi State team, they can find a way to get going offensively. Well, that's the frustrating part for Auburn fans this season. And I, I said if Hugh Freeze can find a way to get to eight or nine wins, he'll be the national coach of the year, period. And at this point in time, realistically, expectations say let's get to six wins if you're an Auburn fan. That way you can extend it into the bowl season, get all the extra reps that you can get as true freshmen or starting to get playing time on the offensive line and you're starting to see the recruitment recruiting process heat up a lot in the class of 24 and 25 for Hugh Freeze. But I think that the thing that's been most frustrating for most Auburn fans is I had Tracy Turner on the show yesterday as far as part of our Tide and Tide or Talking Football segment. And he was mentioning, look, just the rotating in and out of quarterbacks and not having a quarterback to grab the bull by the horn, so to say, has probably been – the most frustrating part of this Auburn team this year? Yeah, look, the quarterback rotation has been a complete failure. Um, and, and, and quite honestly, um, you, you probably said in a presser earlier this week that neither quarterback is running the whole offense. And I don't know if that's a product of, you know, hey, this was a new staff. Peyton Thorne came in after the spring, um, so he had some catching up to do. But you named him the starter, and you for you chose to forego two guys who had been with you all spring uh, for that role. So, you know, ultimately his experience was supposed to neutralize that. And I don't think they expected to be switching quarterbacks as much, but you may actually see a shift in terms of the balance of snaps toward Robbie Ashford on Saturday. It's not a guarantee, uh, but when asked this week, um, you know, Hugh Free said Robbie Ashford has a place, whether that place is every down, you know, we'll see. Uh, but if you're going to make any pivots, uh, this game against Mississippi State, Corey, is as close to an SEC cupcake as you're going to get. Um, they missed an opportunity earlier this season with UMass and Stanford to make any major pivots. And now you have a chance to maybe do that uh, where you can ease a guy in, give him a whole game, and, and see what you have for the rest of the season and possibly for the future or next year. Otherwise, you're just riding the rest of the season out. And, and you mentioned getting to a bowl game. Man, you know, I, I hate to break it. If you lose this game, whether you can make it to a bowl game will seriously be in doubt. So missing a bowl game in year one, I'm sure nobody had on their Auburn bingo card. They've got to figure out a way to get it done. Uh, we'll see if they can do it on Saturday. Well, also, I know that I was looking at what you were 
reporting on your X account, the, the tempo, if they're going to go a higher tempo or a faster tempo, that's something that's not too new to the culture for Auburn, whether it was Gus Malzahn or whether it was Harson or whether it's Hugh Freeze now saying, look, if we go with a quicker and faster tempo, to me, that suits Robbie Ashford just a little bit better, but his versatility from a running quarterback position. Yeah, look, um, Auburn has had uh, a weird habit of not executing things that they're practicing during the week or not even attempting them. So they're going into the week with one game plan. Um, there are changes being made midweek, and then they're abandoning like better than 50% of that on game day. Um, so it's not as if they have not tried possibly to run, you know, practice tempo. Uh, but there's an admission internally that, you know, there needs to be some sort of pivot here offensively. Um, now, the tempo offense is not strange to Hugh Freeze or Philip Montgomery. Both those guys have run tempo uh, uh, for good parts of their career as offensive coaches. So um, going towards that and seeing, you know, if these guys are comfortable running that, I mean, I don't, I don't see why you don't pull out all the stops here, Corey. Auburn is on track for a statistical 25-year low if all of the averages hold and they continue to downtrend as they are. Right. So what do I mean by that? Well, in power five play, they're averaging uh, 15.2 points per game on offense. That's crazy. Uh, tell me which games are not in doubt if you're only going to score 15.2 points per game. So maybe going to tempo will help them get on the board, keep defenses on their heels and stop some of the inexplicable substitutions that either have caused penalties or allow defenses to reset against you. You know, I, I have not understood it. It has looked disjointed. You know, Hugh Freeze said coming into the season that he felt like nobody knowing what Auburn's offense was going to be was an advantage for them because him and Montgomery were coming up with something. Well, turns out uh, Auburn doesn't know what Auburn is running. So they've got to figure that out here. Eugene Asante, one of the biggest pluses for the first half of this season for the Auburn Tigers had one of those penalties that just hurt the team and I know that it's one of those plays you don't like to single out because how great Eugene Asante has been playing but it just kind of epitomizes how things were going and why fans and the Boo Birds were coming out at Jordan Hare Stadium like you said with three wins I don't think anybody realistically expected eight or nine realistically, but when your fans start to boo or turn on you, I, I think that just goes to show the frustration boiling over from even their best defensive player. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, yeah, he's better than that, but I think that that play is, is a little indicative of the type of frustration that they're feeling as a team right now. So it was a, it was an extremely late hit out of bounds. There's no excuse for that. You know, uh, Asante is a great player, but you got you can't do that. Uh, you can't hurt your team because Auburn has uh, enough things that they're trying to overcome right now. And, and when you start tacking on stupid penalties, it makes it almost impossible to win. Uh, so, look, uh, the bottom line is you saw the Boo Birds come down because fans expected things to look better than they have looked so far. Now, defensively, though, uh, I've been pleasantly surprised by what they've been able to do on 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 uh, on defense. But there's only so much you can do when you're losing time of possession by nine minutes like they did against LSU because your offense can't hold on to the ball. So 
Uh, they've got to figure some things out, and I think you'll see that around. The boos are more indicative of the passion of the fans and the expectations set here, right? Like, you don't boo if you don't care. They care here. Obviously, it's Auburn football is king, um, and, and they've got a chance to turn those boos into cheers over the last five games. Talking with Mike Gittens again, when you are the co-founder and show host of the War Report and Auburn football and basketball is your life, you definitely know that this man is on the right track to knowing what's going on on the Plains and with the Auburn Tigers. And you, you mentioned the fact that what's in front of Auburn moving forward here. Mississippi State is one of those must-win type of games, which will give Auburn an opportunity to have its first conference win of the season. But offensively, Jarquez Hunter, when he's running the football and has those explosive type runs that he had to start the old Miss contest, popping off that 53 yarder early, that's the type of churning that you love to see from this Auburn offense that takes the pressure away from Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford completing passes and having to go through the progressions because you look at what they were able to accomplish against Georgia one of the best rushing teams in the country, you know that it's capable of on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about the talent gap that Auburn has between them and the top teams of the conference. Quite honestly, I, it's just not as big as most people are indicating that it is. Jarquez Hunter was supposed to be a key part of this offense. Now, he had a slow start to the season, Corey, missing game one. He looked rusty when it came. Uh, he started uh, versus Cal. And, you know, out west, and he may just now be finding his footing here. Uh, but, you know, coming into the season, I expected him to be one of the top backs in the league. But his struggles have been uh, uh, representative and very congruent to the struggles that Auburn has had on offense. So, you know, when you don't have an identity on offense, even the things that you do well suffer. And that's what you're seeing from Auburn and Jarquez Hunter. So, Again, hopefully they can lean into him. He seems to find something in that game versus Ole Miss, right? Um, and if he can continue to do that, that will take pressure off these quarterbacks. But, you know, listen, Jarquez can run for 250 yards in a game, and if Auburn can't throw the ball, they're not going to have a chance to win, you know, throwing for barely 100 yards a game through the air. Teams just don't respect it. So what you find is, you find defensively, they say, hey, listen, if you're not even going to attempt to throw the ball, we're going to load the box and we're going to stop the thing. We're going to sell out against the thing that you do well. And even if we're not a great defensive team, the more bodies we throw at it, the harder it's going to be for you. And we can live with you, you know, maybe sporadically doing the thing that you don't ever try to do. And if, if you can complete passes and beat us, great. But um, if I... You know, what Auburn has put on tape is load the box, sell out against the run, prove, make the Tigers prove that it can beat you through the air. And, and your run game suffers for that lack of balance, if you know what I mean, Corey. So, like, guys like Jarquez Hunter, you know, and Brian Batee, uh, Demario Olsen has been out with an injury. I think maybe they expect him back in the next couple weeks. Uh, you know, and the young guy, Jeremiah Cobb, uh, uh, they're having a tough sledding right now because of the, the, the struggles in the past game. You know, create more balance, create more parity, and I think you'll see those guys have one of the best running back rooms in this league. Well, I know that Connor Liu is going to have an opportunity to start at center, and that's always uh, a reason for concern when you do make that change, someone who handles the football that much. But a young freshman getting valuable experience is huge. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what? Uh, when you're building experience for the future, it's so important. And Hugh Freeze is, is probably going to experience some roster turnover. So any of the young guys that you can get experience this year uh, to help them go into the season a little bit more experience, uh, that is worth its weight in gold, man. I, you know, Cobb is going to be a star here. Uh, that young man has shown flashes of his potential at times here uh, in just limited action. I expect him to earn a lot more playing time moving forward. Have about 30 seconds left with you. Prediction, score-wise, Auburn, Mississippi State. Uh, Auburn 31, Mississippi State 17. Corey, Auburn can't lose this game. They won't lose this game. I believe the Tigers will find a way to win. I think that this defense will dominate a Mississippi State offense that is likely to be missing. Will Rogers, they get to Mike Wright. The Tigers win this by two scores. Mike, how can people follow all of your war report coverage? Welcome back to the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Once again, Corey and Nick. Welcome back to the, the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. And don't forget, coming up next, we have the Prep Spotlight. Pigskin Pete has entered the building and will be keeping you covered with everything that's going on in high school athletics and sports. And today, Nick Saban chimed in on the Pat McAfee show. And on the Pat McAfee show, Nick Saban was talking about him having a Ferrari and only being able to drive it on Wednesdays when it's not raining. Here's Nick Saban chiming in about driving his red Ferrari. What do you do here for the bye week, huh? We're going to golf. We're driving around the Ferrari. we having uh, maybe Miss Terry out on the boat having a, a day. What are we doing for bye week, huh? We live in a little? Yeah. Chewing some cigars? Ooh. What are we doing? No, I drive the Ferrari. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm sure I'm obsessive compulsive or something, but I only drive the Ferrari on Wednesday if it's not raining. So that's kind of the program. I don't know if I'm obsessive compulsive, (laughs) but I'm on Wednesday if it's not raining. Okay, I love that. I can't wait to see that sometime. (laughs) On a Wednesday when it's not raining, Coach Saban is OCD for sure. And he also talked about chewing on the cigar uh, and how much fun he had chewing on that cigar instead of smoking it. And also chimed in today about the reason he's not a drinker, and I thought that that was pretty funny to hear as well about he did mention he does not drink when he had his children, did not want to set that example of them seeing him drinking in the house, so he decided that he was going to leave the drinking altogether alone, but chewing on the cigars, that's something that Nick Saban loves to do. I don't know if you can tell, but it's getting a little smoky in here, and it's well documented that you actually do not like smoking cigars, but how are you going to celebrate this on tonight? Well, I'll chew on one for a while. Here you go. <laughs> there we go. All right, Jalen, over here. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be doing Him laughing after you give that answer is a beautiful depiction of, I think, your relationship, first of all. But let's dive into this. Did you chew the cigar on Saturday night after that massive win on the third Saturday in October? I did. I always do. I, I've never uh, lit one up in all the years that I've been here. So I chew on them a while. And uh, but it's but the great thing about it is to see the players have so much fun 
uh, be so excited after the game and have so much fun with with the whole thing. I mean, um, it, it really is. It's a unique locker room, believe me. Saturday in October, having an opportunity to light up those cigars if you're an Alabama Crimson Tide fan. If you're not going to light them up, be like Nick Saban and just chew on one. And you, you have to have the victory in order to be able to put one in your mouth. That's for sure. Now, tomorrow on the final drive, it'll be a football field Friday edition of the final drive. We'll have Jake Crane, Crane and Company. Al Whedon will break down our MCPSS Television Network Game of the Week. We'll have Zach McKinnell to break down Alabama State and Alabama A&M, a little Magic City Classic going on in Birmingham this week. SWAC action is next Saturday. We'll have the Alabama State Hornets coming to town playing against Grambling. We're also scheduled to be joined by J.T. Crabtree and Stefan Krasnick from the Clarion Ledger to give us a breakdown of the Mississippi State-Auburn game. So it's a busy edition on a football field Friday edition of the final drive. But Prep Spotlight coming up next with my man Tip Pigskin Pete. Don't want to miss Pigskin Pete and the Prep Spotlight is there are a lot of stories going on. We talked earlier today about Gulf Shores football and the documents that were provided to Simone Eli at WKRG and the story that she was able to break yesterday. So Pigskin will keep you involved in high school football, volleyball, everything to go on that goes on in high school athletics. You don't want to miss that. And then we have tonight a little bit of action with high school football, Davidson, and Alma Bryant as well. The Prep Spotlight coming up next here on WNSP 105.5. Thanks for listening.